Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Combinate Podcast. I'm your host, Subi Sade. On this episode, I was joined by Heather Johnson, who is the CEO of Ingenium. I really enjoyed this conversation. We talk all things waste management. Expect to learn why waste management in pharma might be more complicated than you think, about the different kinds of sharps containers, why sharps are challenging, and what happens to the containers after they're disposed. Expect to also learn about waste potential, repurposing orphan chemicals, and what zero waste means for sustainability in our industry. I hope you enjoy this episode with Heather. Hello, Combi Nation. My name is Subi Sade. I've spent over a decade in medical device, pharma, and combination product development. Our industry feels complicated sometimes. Drugs, devices, clinical trials, submissions, sterilization, validation, design control, risk management, market access, reimbursement. The list goes on. My goal is mastery. So this podcast is to ask questions I have to people who may have the answers. Each week on the Combinate podcast, I talk to someone about their area to further understand and simplify. Whether you're a pharma person trying to understand the next wave of products, or a device person trying to navigate a pharma system you're unfamiliar with, or a newbie in both areas, I invite you to listen. And together, we can simplify by combinating. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this very special episode of the Company Podcast. We are joined today by Heather Johnson, who is the CEO of Ingenium. Welcome, Heather. Thank you for having me here today, Subi. I'm excited. So, Heather, the topic that I wanted to talk to you about is, at least in the engineering space, a, a little bit of a nebulous topic, waste management, sustainability, and so on. Before we get down to that, can you bring folks up to speed on your history, how did you end up in waste? Sure. Yeah, I've actually been in waste now officially for 27 years. However, when I got started, I was putting myself through college, answering phones for a, it was an environmental company that specialized in waste disposal. And while I was getting a degree in accounting, I was really enjoying what I was doing in waste. One opportunity led to another, and here I am still 27 years later. What what did it look like kind of stepping stone-wise? So you started at the phone. What were those opportunities? Yeah, it's a good story, actually. So while answering phones, I took some initiative to launch a marketing program. At the time, it was specific to biohazard waste disposal within the medical community, doctors and dentists. And from there, I was noticed by somebody at a competitor who wanted to include biohazard waste in their service offering, heard about me, offered me a job. I took that job, progressed into a sales position where I started selling to companies hazardous waste disposal services. And at some point along the way, I had an opportunity with some folks to start our own company. And that's resulted in Ingenium. Now we're officially in our 17th year and I'm the CEO. Started in sales. My job when we started the company was actually to dial for dollars and generate some business. And then ultimately, as the company grew, I moved into the leadership position that I'm in today. Dial for dollars means cold call? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Pick up the phone and keep calling until somebody wants to do business with you. 
before I ever got into pharma med tech, I sold cell phones all through college. Didn't actually have any internships. My first job out of school was a contractor. And I'd say kind of pound for pound, the sales experience probably outweighed the, the technical experience. For me personally, at least, we all, we all kind of have our straight and dotted lines for how, how we end up where we are. I'm just wondering what was, I mean, now you're overseeing a lot more than sales, but what was that like? Yeah, I'll tell you this much. In the position that I hold today, having so much sales experience has been really beneficial. Early on in the sales, I was stressed out. I mean, it's a stressful job, especially when you're starting a company and everything's reliant upon selling something. So it was stressful. It's also very rewarding when you win some business and also the relationships that you build through the process. Yeah. Nothing quite feels as good as a close. None. Yeah, for, for for me, it was when a, when a family would walk in and it's like 10 new lines, but for, for you, I'm sure it's different. So a, after after we talked, you know, in, in, in introducing some of these topics, you had mentioned hazardous waste. You talked about your kind of first intro into that, working with doctors and dentists and so on. A lot of the listeners that I have work in the drug delivery space, particularly with things like pre-filled syringes and pens and so on. And I've always wondered, you know, as far as Sharps container containers go, let's start there. Um, who manages putting them in places? Who manages dealing with them? Where do they go? And so on. I'm sure there's like a bigger picture there, but. Yeah, Sharps containers to this day are challenging to dispose of. They're regulated in a special way, and there are limited places you can send them for disposal. And there's two types of sharps containers. There's the biological contaminated sharps that you see in the doctor's offices. Those have to go to facilities to be disinfected and then disposed of. And then there are chemical sharps often generated in laboratory spaces in research and development. Those are even more challenging to dispose of because they have chemical hazards associated with them. And so you're limited on what you can do with them. We, we try to focus on sustainability and finding ways to repurpose, reuse, or otherwise better treat things for disposal. And sharks containers are one of them that you just don't have a lot of ability to recycle or, or be greener with, unfortunately. What does decontaminate mean in this case? In, in the case of biological sharks, it would go into likely an autoclave where it's a high steam sterilization, high temperature steam sterilization process that disinfects the biological material. And then typically after that, it just goes into the landfill. And then the chemical sharps are, are more difficult. Yeah. So regulation drives how things are treated. And biological sure. and chemical have different management methods. So for disposal on the chemical side, they're typically sent for incineration where they're burned. Who is, is this, are both of these regulated by EPA or is it FDA? How was that managed? Largely by EPA and okay. local is authorities jurisdiction. Okay. Is, is there any FDA involvement? 
Not to my knowledge. Okay. Okay. So moving on. So your mission is zero waste. What does that mean? Zero waste is, it's largely reducing the volume of waste that's being generated. And in addition for, for waste that you can't avoid generating, finding better ways to manage outside of putting into a landfill. So looking at technology and maybe not burning or burying, but utilizing the waste as alternative energy or even even being able to repurpose it, reuse it. Somebody else, I think as you just mentioned, one person's trash is another person's treasure. This holds true in the waste world when something is no longer necessary at one business per se, but still has useful life. Who else can take advantage of that before ultimately sending it for disposal? So there's a there's a couple things there that I, I I'd like to dive into. So so the first part you mentioned is reducing waste, i.e., controlling the input, and and the next part you said was avoiding landfills, controlling what you do with the output. Maybe if you could so so landfills is one possible way to dispose of waste, and that just means. For like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this as if I'm a newborn baby in this space because I don't know anything about it, but it's presumably a, a plot of land that is, that's only purpose is to house waste. And so you truck in waste and you just leave it there. That's landfill. Pretty much. Yeah. What, what, if, what, what are the solid waste that you're disposing on your curbside? There are special landfills for hazard contaminated material. And it would just go okay. to a pit and be buried. What else is there? You mentioned incineration. Right. So so historically, waste is either burned or buried. And again, regulation drives what you can do. So, for example, not everything can go into a landfill. There's restrictions on different types of materials. And some things, the only option is incineration. Others, if you can landfill, it's it's been the choice because it's less expensive. So the technology drives the price. Incineration is much more costly than the landfill. But over time, there's been new new technologies that have been introduced that include waste to energy, where you can take the material and use it to generate energy. You can there's something called fuels blending where you take the material and you blend it up and then it's used as an alternative fuel in a cement kiln, which is pretty cool technology. Those are the two big ones that we look at. You, you mentioned regulations. Is there an overarching regulation that is, is there one, I'm assuming you work U.S. only or international as well? We are U.S. only. Okay. And yes, there's All the right. Code of Federal Regulation 49. CFR and the book is probably three inches thick. There's a lot, you know, depending on the constituents of the waste, how you have to manage it, package it, transport it, treat it, all of those things. Understood. And, and, uh, you know, like you mentioned, it's, it's, it's regulated by EPA. Okay. So the, 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 when we say buried, that just means landfill. When I say bury, that means landfill, yeah. Yeah. And what about like the compacting machines that I've seen? So, so you can compact the waste and 
what that does for you is it maximizes your volume in a container. A lot of that stuff is charged by the pound. So the more you can fit into one container, the better, as well as the transportation costs to get something somewhere, maximizing that. Not everything can be compacted, but that which can, and you have space to put a compactor on your property, then that would be a benefit. Okay. So, so volume is more important than weight in, in that. I'm sorry. I, I misspoke. It would be, it would be the maximization of the weight by compacting. How does that, what do you mean? So, so when you compact the waste, you're getting more volume into a space. And so therefore it will be heavier. So to, to me, I would think the benefit is that it, it reduces the overall size. And so, in, you know, where before you would have, let's say 10 units covering a lot. Now you can crush those down into one unit and you still have nine left. Is that not the case? Yeah. And, and are, you might be thinking of drums and I'm thinking of bins, big, big roll off bins. Ultimately though, the more there's often minimums that are charged for disposal. And so if you don't compact, you have lighter weight that you're going to pay a minimum for. And when you compact, you're maximizing that weight. And again, the transportation benefits you get by reducing the volume through compacting. Understood. Okay. And then, bur I mean, bur burning is, is a process, obviously, that the, the waste undergoes. And from that process, there's, there's some fumes, et cetera, that are probably generated. And so how is that regulated? Like you As said, there I are certain things that can't be burned. Sure. Well, when you're talking about a hazardous waste approved incinerators, they have scrubbers and other equipment on them to limit the exposure that's released to the air. Oh, I see. Interesting. And just to clarify one other thing, see, compacting is not a treatment per se, right? So while incineration is, is treating the hazards when you're disposing, compacting you're reducing the volume, but you're not changing whatever was hazardous. The constituent, the yeah. Does that make sense? Totally. Okay. So, so, so going back to controlling the inputs on the subject of zero waste, reducing waste. We, we, when we were talking about zero waste, you, you had mentioned two things, avoiding landfills, which, which we just discussed in, in some way. And the first part being to reduce the waste to begin with. And I'm asking. If one were to be focused on reducing waste, is it basically just planning better? Well, planning better, yeah. Ultimately, <laughs> all the way upstream and, and what you're using in your process, if you're manufacturing or, or whatever is happening. But then if you have something that's valuable and can be reused, just maybe not something in your process, somebody else taking advantage of the material. There's a lot of waste that comes out of pharmaceutical manufacturing, one-time use type products that are no longer viable with the quality controls that are in place in these companies, but the materials in use are still good and somebody can yeah. benefit from them. So it's very costly to dispose of these items. There's a lot of tracking and management when you generate waste, keeping it out of the waste world entirely, or at least prolonging the use before it goes into the waste world, benefits 
everybody. It benefits the person that's receiving material at a lesser cost or no cost. And then obviously the generator not having to track and manage hazardous waste and pay disposal costs, as well as the environment benefits greatly when we, when we produce less waste. So I, I'm, I'm personally, I really like buying things secondhand. Couple reasons. One reason is obviously it saves money. Two, with, with let's say books in particular, I, I pretty much only buy books on eBay unless it's Kindle. And with books, I always imagine people buy books and they don't read them. And so I imagine this book just collecting dust. It was printed. It wanted to be read, right? And it was never read. And then somebody buys it for a quarter of the cost and then reads it. It's like such a win-win. I, I, I told you before we started recording that I saw this term waste potential, which, which, which you mentioned is, well, you know, one, one person's trash is another's treasure. How do you make, how do you make the linkage between, oh, this, this company doesn't want this material. How do you source a user for something that is just so specific? We do a lot of work in research and development, biotech. And there's a lot of compounds and reagents that are used in large inventories of these items. And, and so what we do is we market this program we call Orphan Chemical Program. And this usually is larger pharma no longer needing something and small startup biotech benefiting from it. So we introduce these two parties by way of, most of them are our customers and they understand the program. So when we have a list of chemicals that are no longer needed at one of the pharmas, then we'll send it out to our customers and say, here's what we have available, who's interested, and then we'll coordinate the transfer of those items from one party to the other. Is that done on a certain frequency? How do you manage that, that kind of inventory? It, it's all contingent upon who has what. We won't take possession of anything because in the event we can't find somebody who wants it, then it becomes our waste and we don't want it to be our problem. Last couple of questions are more on the personal side. Heather, what's a book that changed your life? I read a lot of leadership books. Actually, and, and there are several written by John Maxwell. I really admire him. So, so yeah, and, and, and reading about how to be an effective leader and, and all those things that are important in today, I, I think that there's not one specific book, but the aggregate of the leadership books that I've read and continue to read help me evolve and be the leader that I am today. Is, is there one in particular that comes to mind? It's called the 15 laws of invaluable growth. Law one was be deliberate in everything you do. And that really stood out to me. Just, you know, hey, do we do things that we're not deliberate about? Absolutely, we do. So I, I yeah. try to be mindful of that when I'm doing something to be very deliberate. Very good. What is, what is something that you're excited about? I'm excited. I have a teenager and he's 13 and... It's been such a fun summer watching him grow into this teenager. He's, he's having so much fun in his life and I'm really excited for him. Yeah, that's a, that's a important period of life. It's cool. 
I, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and uh, oh. almost uh, n- not a day goes by that there are already 13, 20, so on in my head. Awesome. Well, pleasure having you, Heather. I'm sure you'll be on again. Thank you for having me.